0: Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Devious Gamers Show. I'm your host, Preston Lee, and with me in the order of their legal liability, Gage Randall.
1: I have got caught by a red light camera.
0: John Bowie. I've done no wrong. Anessa Nessa and
2: I got like a speeding ticket like two days ago, man. It sucks.
0: The Devious <laughs> Gamers Show is a podcast where four friends give you the lowdown on the gaming news you need to know and discuss the issues and topics we care about. Now let's kick off the show. What are you playing? Gage?
1: Uh, I'm just been working on our projects. Uh, otherwise, I've actually been avoiding getting into anything because Zelda's about to come out. And I took off two vacation days for that. The Friday it comes out and then Monday after that. And everyone's telling me to play For Honor and like, you're going to play Horizons. I like, guess I'm going to play those. and I'm going to play Neo. But I, I could either start those and it will be abruptly cut off by Zelda. Or I could just play Zelda and play them after. So. My life is just anticipation of that game right now.
0: Fair <laughs> enough. So, sounds about right <laughs> for you. Yep. Essen?
2: Um, actually, I have not been playing that many video games recently. Um, what has happened to us? We're going to start to sound
0: like we're not a video game podcast. I
2: know. My, my friends are trying to get, get me into, like, Rocket League. Right. That Eagles. seems like your kind of game. I've been playing, like, Actually, no, I literally have not been playing that many games this week, so I've had a lot of tests so
1: school work Ugh. life I never let uh, school get in the way. I know I witnessed that <coughs>
0: it's probably not the best thing to do. Don't do that.
1: Hey, at least you graduated. That's
0: true y- yeah, I am the the only one <laughs> <laughs> nice. the least motivated student was the only one who graduated.,
3: uh, I'd say I'm less motivated. And i didn't graduate
1: i just up and quit
0: (laughs) (laughs) um john what are you playing
3: uh i'm kind of in the same boat but i've been doing a lot of guild wars 2 just because i haven't felt like playing really much of anything
1: are you still playing that yeah that's cool
3: always mmo for the win just keep going because it never actually stops
1: yeah i remember you showing me that like three or four years ago or something
3: actually like i recommend it now because they've changed their Core package, the base game is free to download. Nice. So it's free to download, free that's to play. That's cool.
1: I'm enjoying the that model that a lot of MMOs are adapting. Even if people bitch about like the experience, you know, yeah. cut that you get. At least you get to try the game out. What,
3: adapting. Well, no, there's there's no cut. Oh, um, uh, there's
1: not like they're not like reducing your experience. You play the free.
3: entire core game minus the stuff that's come out since expansion.
1: That's pretty nice. So yeah, free. That's cool. Oh, you know what? Hold on. I should have mentioned that we we have been playing Star Wars Guild Republic, Uh, Elena and I. Oh, all right. That's sort of been (laughs) our just chill, like we play like 30 minutes each night. Yeah. We're both really excited about Zelda and Mass Effect. That's kind of what I'm doing with Guild Wars. It's it's nice not having to deal with all the guild stuff. Because that's where DV's, came from, D.V.'s Gamers came from, was a Star Wars guild in that game. Yeah. So it's really nice just playing and not dealing with like a thousand guild people.
0: I Sounds th- kind of fun to do that with your significant other. I've yeah, we, we
1: both just have our, our a laptops. Party together. Mm-hmm.
0: I've thought about starting up a
3: guild again, but then I remember how
0: much work it was when I
3: had a guild. And I was like, uh, I don't know, I want to commit to that.
1: If anyone hasn't been in a gaming guild, it's like ten times more dramatic and yeah. a hassle than you think.
3: Yeah, I, I think remember all that goal. crap. It depends
2: so on the guild. Honestly,
1: I I've think been I in some really chill-ass <laughs> guilds. But for, like, shooters, right? Like, yeah. For MMOs, there's a different element to it. So oh you're, yeah. like, constantly in there, like, speaking with each other. I mean, yeah, there's, there a, there's that. There's the
2: people
3: that just camp out in the city for hours on end just to,
1: yeah.
0: like, randomly chat now and then.
1: Yeah, part of the game itself is just being a social animal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I remember mediating a lot of conflicts over <laughs> <laughs> over chat.
1: Yeah, Preston was our guy when we had... Two guild leaders pitching, He would just sit them down via voice chat and make them calm down.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was basically just the the guild psychologist. <laughs> yep, <laughs> guild that's therapist. A, that's a awesome. <laughs> I
1: think every guild you're good. Does. I think I don't. I don't think I ever saw that uh, go poorly.
0: Yeah. Um. Thankfully, yeah, that would have been really annoying if that like turned around on me or something. But uh, <laughs> I'm still been, I'm still playing Neo. Um, I beat the main the main game. Uh, Now I'm in kind of the new game plus way of the strong difficulty. Cool. Does Um, it auto do it, or do you have like a choice? You have choice, and you can go back at any time and play normal difficulty missions. Hmm. Like it's all like just what mission do you want to play? And right away, I I haven't finished all all of the all of the stuff that they unlocked with way of the strong. But they give you the first three regions with all of the missions unlocked, Um, and I'm assuming you get the second three regions after you beat um the all of the missions from the first three um what are the differences uh it's it's a al- it's a lot harder um it's it's actually i would say that whereas eventually um neo got really easy um at points
1: john just pumped his fist in there <laughs>
0: Uh, Neo did get really easy, except for like the last the last mission after the credits and the two side missions after the credits like were ridiculously hard, so I just went and I leveled up a bit and then they became ridiculously easy Yeah just um, right before the podcast, I
3: was so engaged. I've done something in Neo that I never did in Dark Souls, and that was zone out
0: while playing. Yeah, it's a it's a game that you can that you can zone out on a bit if once, so once you get, you used get to to the it, flow. It's really not that bad. No. Yeah, it's not. It's like it's it's on the level kind of of Dark Souls, but once you get into the mindset, it doesn't require the tactical thinking that you have to do constantly in Dark Souls. Um, so in that sense, it's a lot more of an action game. Cool. But I'm I'm really enjoying it's it. It's still
1: so fun. Yeah. I'm excited to get to it after Mass Effect. There's like
3: four other
0: games.
1: Uh, The list just keeps growing, which is a good (laughs) thing. 2017 is looking to be an awesome year. Yeah, it is. Sure that, dude. All right. Sucks
0: to be poor. (laughs) But now that we've got that (laughs) wrapped (laughs) up, get a job. It's time to enter the newsroom. (laughs) There are ten stories we'd like to share with you this week. Number one, Niantic has formally announced a new update for Pokemon Go. The update adds over eighty Pokemon from Pokemon Gold and Silver, and various changes to the system, such as new encounter mode, streamlined menus, and new avatar customization options. I didn't know that last part.
1: So you get more than like two outfits in a color. Whoa. Pretty much. Sweet. It Is that better. freaking Mill Tank in it? Cause that thing destroyed my childhood.
0: Yeah, there's probably tank in it. What's wrong with Milank? I went to check last night and like, I caught like a Centret.
1: John yeah. tank there's a gym in Gold Silver. Yeah. And tank just does rollout, wipes out, and, <laughs> wipes yeah. out, and th- I put my oh, Game Boy oh down because no, no. I lost roll to a Cow. Rollout
0: and detract.
1: Yeah, what? so I actually like quit Pokemon for like several years <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's pretty. I damn. had too much pride from
1: like beating my friends in Blue and Red, and when that Cow beat me, I was like. This is it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the end.
3: Yeah, Essen, uh, have you been doing any? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've yeah, been, been it. I've been kind
2: of doing I've it. I've been like kind of like a, I have like a three day streak going on because I added like streaks, and the menus are all really cool now. Yeah, they fixed those. those are and nice like the tracking system is like working. Hey, there you go. Yep. And like this is how the game should have come out, and then it would have probably kept like the same popularity.
0: Eh, it still needs a battle mode. Yeah, yeah it's whatever. Who
2: cares? When it, gets that it still needs that. the
0: regular battle system from the games, but uh, I think Actually it's really cool that they're fulfilling on kind of the promise of adding the later generations of Pokemon in uh, that's over cool. time. It's really yeah.
1: cool. Yeah, exciting.
0: I want my Houndoom. Gage, are you excited for when we have a thousand Pokemon?
1: Uh, I think all the Pokemon designs are really dumb. They're really dumb. But yeah. when I can like <laughs> battle people in that game. I'm going to be super excited to get into it. A bag of trash. Fair enough.
0: Number two. Keys. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: My ice
2: cream. (laughs) I need to play my ice cream con. Ball. (laughs) Different ball.
1: (laughs) Voltorb.
0: As it turns out, the Nintendo Switch unboxing videos that appeared on the internet last week were made with products stolen from a U.S. distribution company by employees, according to a statement from Nintendo to IGN, with one system being illegally resold. How could this have happened? But the issue appears to have been resolved. It. As Nintendo stated, the individuals involved have been identified, terminated from their place of employment, <laughs> and are under investigation by local law enforcement authorities on criminal charges. We're, so we're going to edit nice. this so
1: it just says they're terminated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, too bad for that, that NeoGAF user that somehow got his Nintendo Switch delivered early.
1: I don't know. I just walked into a
0: GameStop and they handed it to me. Uh, I don't know what to do. Apparently, one of the things he <laughs> said was like, it's not like I got this off the back of a truck or anything.
1: Probably got off back <laughs> Probably
0: of truck. got it off the back of the truck.
1: You know what's funny about like getting a Switch early though? It's like, there's nothing to do on it. Yeah. Like, what's the point? You just like, You're just looking at the UI and just petting it. You can't even like buy a game
0: and and it's not like these people have <laughs> these people um <laughs> wow <It's laughs> wow dude. you just had to make that I think it's racist.
1: okay socially to lump thieves into a category
0: it, it's not like they have enough you know internet presence to really score points with the internet for like releasing a video early of a switch maybe unboxing. that's what they were hoping for though
1: true they had their fame
0: i guess so but it's kind of weird to want fame when the whole point of it is to like your identity
1: you mean like anonymous 4chan guys
2: anonymous
0: <laughs> anonymous <laughs> um number three microsoft has moved its e3 conference date according to announcement they made last week along with a new treat teaser trailer for project scorpio their new console their conference will now be held on sunday june 11th at 2 p.m pacific time 5 p.m eastern time Taking to Twitter, Phil Spencer answered questions related to Project Scorpio, and when asked about the console's launch lineup, um, he responded, our games, old and new, have to show why someone would choose Scorpio. I feel really good about our progress on that.
3: Why does Microsoft insist on always going before Sony? Like, that never ends well
0: for them. Honestly, I think this is actually a really smart move, though, because by... Moving from right before Sony the same day to like a what is it a day or two early, um, they get like a whole day of press coverage without Sony like being on top of them <laughs> without and Sony a direct all, over all of it. Um, yeah,
1: the show last so year was so good. If they <laughs> want to
0: really like get away from kind of the failures of Xbox One and really push Scorpio, I think they need the excuse me they need this um. Extra time for positive coverage. I on think the it'll console. be awesome if Sony pushes theirs back.
3: I'm
1: pretty hopeful for Scorpio, <laughs> <That> w- <laughs> by the way.
0: <laughs> that would be petty, but really funny. Why are there more consoles
1: coming out? Oh, I think I'm well, done, dude. PS4 Pro was like, I don't think that should have happened. It shouldn't have. But Not Scorpio really. is talking about doing like native 4K, 60 FPS as a standard. Yeah, yeah. Why? That sounds like an oh, actual no, upgrade. upgrade. Yeah. Uh, PS4 Pro is like an add-on to me. Why are there more consoles? I don't know. I'm pretty excited for everything to just merge to the PC collective. Um, like, no. that's I'm does a anyone prick. really like,
2: care if it's 4K and shit, dude? I mean, I get, yeah, there's people
1: that care, but like. I have, having like a 4K screen, it does make a difference. But if you don't, like, who cares? And 4Ks have become pretty affordable and common now. Well,
3: yeah, like the 4K TV I have in the living room versus the regular TV I have in my bedroom has made it to where I cannot watch anything movie-wise in my bedroom.
1: Yeah, it's a massive difference. I mean, it's literally four times better. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't really I
0: don't, I don't really care. have I don't have 4K or or the option to use 4K yet. <gasps> um, of all the people in this room, I'm not really mm-hmm. like I don't miss it honestly, and I ma- I imagine I won't until I actually get my hands on it.
1: You should just like come see a game that you know like rendered in 4K, 60 FPS. It is quite different. It's not even like a, you know, like I'm j- some kind of audiophile, like talking about $1,000 headphones are so much better than the $700 ones. Like, it's massive.
3: Yeah.
0: Fair enough. Speaking from someone who sells them, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Number four Bethesda Game Studios director Todd Howard spoke with IGN at the end of last week and explained Bethesda's current slate of projects in development. Two of which, Fallout 4 and VR and Elder Scrolls V Skyrim for the Nintendo Switch, have already been announced. One of the games currently in development is a mobile game, which Bethesda hopes can follow in their successful, in the steps, uh, wow.
1: That vault game?
0: Follow in the footsteps of their successful mobile title, Fallout Shelter.
1: Yeah, that game did super good. They They did way too well. I like didn't like, like it. Okay. <laughs> it was a brand yeah, thing. I
0: wasn't a f- I fan you know, myself, tried but... In, like, what is this? I don't know. I'm not a huge Fallout fan either. Mm-hmm. It was
1: like how Mitomo had more than like two downloads. It was just Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you Take Nintendo off of that. No. Yeah, true. It would be terrible.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Howard also said that two of the seven projects are bigger than anything we've done. So we look forward to hearing more from Bethesda, and we'll keep you informed of any updates.
1: Man, that lawsuit money, for real. They just got $500 million, ZeniMax said, which is their parent company. Now they're just like, we got seven projects going. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it was like, green lights for everyone. Here's a green light. Here's a green light.
0: It's my hope, though, that bigger than ever anything we've ever done... Doesn't mean empty. emptier than anything <laughs> we've ever done. Yeah. yeah, because that's that's just been a huge problem in Bethesda games for really some time now. And even when there is content there, it honestly kind of seems like a lot of it's pretty frivolous. Um, which is why I've kind of pushed away from Bethesda games over the last few years. Mm. Yeah, I love frivolous look how content. big this map is. Look at this nice
3: big vast empty forest with nothing to do in it. You like deserts? (laughs) You like snow? Well, this is a radiated desert, so good luck with that one.
1: Bethesda presents Abandoned City.
0: No Man's Sky.
1: (laughs) Not to diss them. They're awesome.
0: Yeah, they do do a lot of really cool stuff, I have to say.
1: Yeah, they do do. (laughs) 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 This is why we keep him
0: around. Number 5. The government of Australia has been silent for nearly 10 months about a recent attempt to reinstate their support <laughs> of spiders. the Australian game development industry <laughs> giant Spiders. <laughs> nice. Uh, over the p- over the past months, in spite of their requirement of the requirement of their Senate rules to provide a response to a report issued in April of 2016 within 3 months. Jason Imms writing for GameSpot got in touch with Senator Scott L- Ludlam, who said, it's such a shame, actually. The inquiry, the inquiry went much better than I expected.
2: Wait, you, ha- you have to read it in an Australian accent.
0: <laughs> oh, God. oh, God. I bet he can do it. Do it? Do I have to? Yeah,
1: you do. Preston is a voice actor. <laughs> this is it. Oh, God.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> the pressure's oh getting to oh it. Gamers' own voice actor call, and eh? writer,
1: Preston Lee, <laughs> about to present to you Australian accent. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh god what the fuck is an australian accent uh, dude, oh, wow. it um, it's such a shame actually <laughs> 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 the inquiry went went much better than i expected <laughs> the industry put on a really good show in terms of Wrong practitioners <laughs> um, <laughs> i've never done an australian accent fuck you guys surprisingly S- in terms of in terms of practitioners presenting on the day they won over the whole uh. community. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> Some national senators were seeing the industry for the first time. He notes that reinstating the pro- program would be relatively cheap, just $20 million over three years. God. And in, uh, internal direct government funding would enable congressional or limited recourse loans and repaid funds would be used to support subsequent projects, making the program self-sustaining. IMS also notes, however, that in spite of the seeming strangeness of the delay, it's relatively common for for the Australian government to take a long time to get around to issues, and that there are over 150 committee reports currently backlogged all the way to 2002. So, it sounds like this could be really good for the games industry in Australia, but... It's not really as scandalous as it seems, just because this is relatively common. Um, But it's an interesting situation. I I think it would be uh, really great if the Australian government kind of got off its ass and helped their games industry.
3: To do that, they need to lower their ratings on the MSRB or whatever.
0: I Hate My Job
1: got a freaking M
4: in Australia. That's (laughs) amazing. Oh my gosh.
3: Animal violence. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Oh, you're throwing a chicken. M. Like oh, you made a poop joke. M. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: insane.
0: Well.
1: Well, I mean. You
0: know when when your game developers are only allowed to make games about fluffy bunnies, um, gently brushing against.
4: <laughs> They're
1: not brushing hard. They're enemies. So you need um, like
0: a lot of J-pop stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> probably fine. Um. Number six, in an email sent out to their investment partners, Steam has announced that it will be adding regional sales tax to all purchases from a number of countries starting next month. Beginning in March, Steam games sold in Iceland will have a 24% sales tax. India's sales will be 15%, Japan 8%, New Zealand 15%, South uh, Africa 14%, South Korea 10%, and Switzerland will have an 8% tax. The following three months, we'll see a 20% sales tax added in Serbia, 5% in Taiwan, and 10% in Australia, respectively. Sales tax will be included in the advertised priced price of the games.
1: Well, South Korea's good, because all they do is play league.
0: <laughs> but uh, it would seem to me that if you're in any of those countries and you're thinking about buying something, especially if you're in Serbia, you should go ahead and get your hands
1: on it. For our Serbian listeners... Yeah. yeah, our our
0: <laughs> large Serbian audience, uh, massive. You know the the worldwide devious gamers show audience. I bet they thought your Australian accent was fantastic.
1: Oh yeah, probably, gosh. dude. Let's just share this podcast in like ten years. I really yes. Oh, <laughs> No,
0: <laughs> I really haven't studied how to do an Australian accent. It's it's one of the ones I haven't really paid much attention. To.
2: Say cunt a lot. Yeah, cunt.
0: Like <laughs> 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 Crikey. Um ain't she
1: a beaut? <laughs> oh God! Just watch some uh, some crocodile, crocodile hunting, crocodile Nundee.
0: Yeah. Uh, number seven, Team Ninja has announced via live stream its plans for DLC for their recently released game Neo. According to the translation by Gamatsu, the developer is planning several DLC packs, both free and paid. Late March, we'll see the addition of more difficult missions, including something like a boss rush mode, and April, will have the multiplayer PvP mode, which was previously announced. The game's first paid DLC is titled Dragon of the North, and will (laughs) arrive in late April and will be followed by two more paid DLC packs, which are included in the season pass. (coughs)
1: Cool. Cool.
0: Eh. (laughs) (laughs) I, I'm a little surprised that they didn't include a PvP mode like, yeah. in the box. Well they have the f- cooperative
3: multiplayer, but they don't have a versus. They
1: probably had already worked on that a lot, and it just wasn't ready. Like It, it might have been so far away from being ready that they're like, ah, just ship it. After 10 Most years. Most likely.
0: It seems like something that's a big draw for players like you, Gage, though.
1: You yeah, like, yeah. You I like
0: I that Dark Souls-style PvP.
1: I've probably put 600 hours total into the Dark Souls trilogy, and maybe a third or half of that was uh, some form of co-op or PvP.
0: Wow, that's like half as much time as i put into Mass Effect. (laughs) Yep. Number eight. World of Tanks streamer Poshybird died of unknown causes this week during the middle of a 22-hour charity stream for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. According to the stream moderator's 35-year-old father of three, Brian Vignalt, oh, geez, said he was going for smokes and never returned to the stream, with many viewers assuming he'd fallen asleep. Moderator <laughs> Sorolor <laughs> spoke with police via Ugh. Discord, who confirms that Vignalt had passed away during his push to finish the m- um, multiple 20-plus-hour streams in a week. Wargaming.net via Polygon issued a statement. Wargaming is saddened to hear the loss of th- of streamer and tanker Brian Vignault, a.k.a. Bird. A devoted player of World of Tanks and contributor to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. We offer our most sincere condolences to his family and friends during this difficult time.
1: That is pretty tragic. I did not know he was a father of three. Yeah, that's like, it's close. sad anyway, but man, family's affected by that.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of want to say, like... At get least he was trying around. to do good. <laughs> but this isn't the first time I've heard about um, gamers dying recently from just like sitting too much. Yep. Um, so, seriously, if you're a marathon gamer like me, get up and walk around every once in a
1: while. Like, I like how Nintendo will just like yeah, interrupt you. you and be like, hey, you should. Maybe go outside or something. <laughs> like,
0: I used to make fun of that, but after seeing like two or three of these stories now, I'm, I think that's actually pretty important advice.
3: Yeah, your body just kind of starts to shut down after a while. So,
1: yeah, even at my uh, programming job, it's really important to just get up every now and then because you feel yourself just like sinking into your chair, becoming a blob.
0: Play on a treadmill. You need one of those uh, sit stand desks.
1: There's a IT guy there actually that does a stand up and uh, like i saw the desk setup and i was like what is that i guess that's like a temporary station for like running the servers and i just next day it was like oh dude's just standing there for like eight hours (laughs) i guess i guess that's better than sitting not for me (laughs) i don't know that i
0: could stand for eight hours but it would be nice to be able to like stand up. well i mean
1: me and john can relate to that from walmart yeah but at least we got to move around speed walk for eight hours yeah
0: Man, I had trouble just getting through like choir recitals in high school. That was just like an hour.
1: There's something about standing still, though. Yeah, like in one yeah. spot.
3: I could do the CSM moving around at 100 miles per hour all day. I could not be a cashier and just stand there.
1: Yeah, the the times there where I had to cashier for like 30 minutes, I was yeah, like, ah, like, give me away from this.
0: Um, but seriously, everybody, uh, take care of yourselves, especially when you're playing a lot of video games. Um, and You know, our uh, our condolences go out to to Mr. Vinyard's family. Number nine, new information has been revealed about Final Fantasy 15's upcoming DLC episode Gladiolus. Gladius will be the DLC's lead playable character, and the story will take place during a time in which Gladiolus leaves the party temporarily. Episode Gladiolus is available for $5 or as part of a $25 season pass, and the rest of the um, upcoming expansions are Episode Ignis, Episode Prompto, and the multiplayer DLC, Comrades. <laughs>
1: episode Prompto. <laughs> prompto. <laughs>
0: um, I think the multiplayer DLC sounds really interesting because it takes an idea that I remember, y- Gage, you and I discussed back when Mass Effect 3 was coming out about how we really wanted to see... Single player RPGs have more multiplayer elements taking inspiration kind of from the Tales games.
1: Yeah, like in Tales Symphonia, the way we could play with two, three, four people, and you had your main person like running around as the party leader, but every time there's a fight, you get to all play.
0: Yeah, so the idea of having, you know, up to three of your friends playing Final Fantasy 15 with you as various characters um, over the internet sounds really fun. Yeah, sounds I really cool. if, if and for anybody who's a fan of Final Fantasy fifteen, i.e. me, um, I think this is that that's the one I'm most excited about.
1: Resident Evil five had online co op and it was really cool. Like the whole story.
0: Oh yeah, that was really cool. I, I really appreciated that.
1: There was one, I know this is such a tangent, but there was a guy on there one time that had an infinite rocket launcher, but it fired at a machine gun rate. And it was yeah. the most <laughs> like game <laughs> melting thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and I was and there's voice chat, so I was like dude what is that how did you get that he's like you want it <laughs> <laughs> i was like sure so he did some glitch where he like gave me it um you can there's a way you can transfer items to other people in co-op with a uh, exploit That's so neat. i ended up uh passing it f- paying it forward p- giving the rocket out to some people too and uh it became a pretty common item a few months later <laughs> not because not of me but just like people kept spreading it
0: you contributed doing your country a service mm. correct mm. number 10 In a surprisingly late announcement, Nintendo has confirmed that the Nintendo Switch, due out on March 3rd, will not have Virtual Console available at launch. (laughs) Saying, we will share more information in the future. Nintendo has also announced that three more titles will be available at launch for the Switch. Shovel Knight Treasure Trove, Shovel Knight's DLC expansion Spectre of Torment. And a new game called Fast RMX, which is referred to as a lightning-fast anti-gravity racing game from Sheen N Multimedia.
1: I think I played, a, it must be in the same franchise, it's called Fast Neo. It's like a Wii U thing you can get, like an indie game virtual console thing, or e-store or whatever. So that's kind of cool. Sure. It wasn't as good as F-Zero, but it was I guess, a placeholder. Switch though, I mean, it doesn't even come like yeah. the controller comes. It doesn't charge your Joy-Cons either, and it doesn't come with a game. And it doesn't come with Virtual Console. Like, this is a pretty poor launch. Dude, that system is rushed. Yep. Straight up. Yeah, yeah uh, like it's uh,
0: the the Joy the JoyCon grip should charge your controllers if you plug it in.
1: You can buy one that does, but it doesn't come with the system. Oh, the that's one that comes with the system is this like mount thing that just holds them. It doesn't charge them.
0: That's really weird. But, yeah. I mean, I guess they just wanted to keep the cost down. That's That's been their excuse, at least, is that they want to make sure that it doesn't I mean, go above $300.
1: It's a tablet screen. You know, like, that's a lot of extra expense. That's why it seems expensive compared to PlayStation or Xbox, but those things aren't coming with screens. So I, I guess it was just really tough for them to get it to 300
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to ex- accept some... Some sacrifice for the portability.
1: Uh, I'll just get it later when Mario Odyssey comes out.
0: I'll get it later when they have an actual bundle package. I'm getting it on March 3rd because I'm a sucker.
1: Are you really? Really? Yeah, I am. Oh, I dude, awesome.
0: I paid it down. I'm going <laughs> to get Zelda. Um, I might download a couple of other things, maybe.
1: So you're actually going to be able to pick it up on March 3rd? You got the pre-order it yeah, in time? Yeah,
0: I pre-ordered, I pre-ordered a physical copy of Zelda because, you know, the, the servers are going to be totally fucking swamped. With oh, everybody, yeah. That everybody everybody downloading the eShop update and yeah. whatever games they want. So, like, there's no way I'm going to download that huge-ass game on the Nintendo Switch, which, unfortunately, in my opinion, does not have enough memory. I kind um, of no, it absolutely like does not. But you can you can expand it with SD cards, but that's kinda it's kind of the PS Vita's <laughs> yes, hidden cost cards. all <laughs> over again.
1: <laughs> I'm hopeful that my decision to play it on Wii U Like I'm I'm hoping the online store for that isn't as bogged down as the switches inevitably will be. Inevitably. <laughs> I didn't know you were gonna switch though. That's cool. I definitely want to try that out.
0: I'll oh bring yeah. it like Same. whenever it is it gonna be out by next week?
1: Yeah, that's when my, I'm taking my vacation.
0: Mm-hmm. March
2: is
1: next week? It's next Friday. <laughs> February's pretty <laughs> short, dude.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: my God, dude. It
2: comes so out next Friday. I have so much yep. stuff, dude. Uh, Starting so that
1: long. download at midnight. But,
0: yeah, I'll, I'll bring it, you know, maybe next time we do a podcast or something so we can get some impressions. Yeah, that'll be cool. Um, We'll have to see because that's uh, somebody's somebody's birthday. is that that day, so it's a little weird. I'll have to figure out my schedule. Um, but now that all that objective reporting is out of the way, it's time for our inevitable slide into the Echo Church, where we discuss the most important of issue of the week and tell you what to think. A lawsuit against Jim Sterling, host of Jimquisition, <gasps> by a game developer Digital Homicide over his reviews of their games was dismissed with prejudice this week. Wait, this is over Jimquisition? Yeah, it's Jimquisition. Yeah, I see that, asshole. Uh, A dismissal with prejudice, according to uslegal.com, is a dismissal of a case on merits after adjudication. The plaintiff is barred from bringing an action again on the same claim. Digital Homicide filed the suit against Sterling, claiming a $10.76 million um, amount in emotional, reputational, product, and financial damages. They accused him of assault, libel, and slander over his opinions on their games, a trend that began with his video, Slaughtering Ground's New Worst Game of 2014, in which Digital Homicide claims he published untrue critiques of digital homicide video games that constitute actionable libel.
1: Imagine if actors, like, sued the Razzies because they won Best Actor. I mean, they won worse well, actor. Now, know.
3: see, like, I was before the podcast and everything, I was on board with this whole thing. It was just like, yeah, you can't just sue a reviewer, but I've read some of the Jim Quisition stuff, and I've disagreed pretty highly with a lot of his crap. Yeah, and it, it just sounds just like he's just writing shit to write shit. Just to write d- shit, disagreeing right? with him yeah.
0: warrant a $10 well,
3: no. million no, dollar no, not that much, but
1: I, I can see why they're, I
3: have they're stupid pissed.
1: opinions. Someone sues me, and you're like, what are you talking about? I just. just what i thought about yeah
3: i'm not saying like the lawsuit's gonna like go through or anything i'm just saying like i i I get a little more why they're pissed it's not just some random reviewer that
1: yeah i mean he's like nasty sure
3: yeah and it's not even like the funny uh zero punctuation cynicism sort of way
0: yeah he's sort of yeah gordon (laughs) (laughs) ramsay-esque um just kind of like he plays up that sort of angry snarky thing Um, yeah but
1: gordon ramsay like backs up his shit talking with like quality like skills i mean Michelin i watched stars. a couple of
0: videos and he seemed like hyperbolic but not unreasonable um and certainly nothing in his content that i could see warranted like 10 a libel I mean, lawsuit <laughs> even
1: if you have someone who's just talks about how ocarina of time is like literally the worst game ever and they all over it. it's like so what just call him stupid and move yeah on.
0: I mean the judge threw it out of court with prejudice which means he's basically saying don't ever bring this to me again. <laughs> yeah, probably um,
1: waste of that guy's time. He's probably pissed off. Yeah, yeah. so
0: I'm I'm kind of more in line with the judges thinking on this is that like regardless of how bad someone says your game is like they have the right to oh, yeah. make that statement. And if they just have an audience, you know, that doesn't give you grounds to to sue them.
1: I mean, with I Hate My Job, which has uh, generally really positive reviews from users on the stores. D- there's a few that are just like on, on Android, where they're just like, this is the worst thing ever. Don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, don't waste your time with this. And it's like, what, are we going to sue those people? I made mean, so like many game? accounts doing well, i am emotionally damaged because now I feel bad.
0: Well, that's what Digital Homicide did. They're such su- an edgy development the
1: studio. They sure are. They sued a well, hundred
0: <laughs> other people in addition to Jim what? Sterling. That's the part Steam that gets users, a little Steam users who left negative reviews of their games, they sued.
1: What on earth?
0: That's just being a little bitch. <laughs> yeah. They're being absolutely They just tanked themselves ridiculous. in the
1: industry. There's no way anyone ever again is going to take these guys seriously.
0: Um uh, After the lawsuit was dismissed, Sterling also issued a statement. He said, uh, I personally viewed and still viewed the lawsuit as an attempted attack on my freedom to do my legally protected job. I personally perceive it as an attack launched by a man who is unable to deal with criticism in a reasonable fashion and has sought to blame me continuously for his failures. That you can be made to spend that much money and effort defending yourself from spurious claims should be a worrying prospect for anybody whose job involves saying things that some people aren't going to like.
1: It's funny finding myself agreeing with this guy so hard. Mm -hmm. You know, he's he's a douche. Yeah. But, I mean, that's his gig. That's his thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're supposed to like him because he's a douche. I, I mean,
1: that's the guy's bit. No one goes there for, like, you know, objective, like, analytical reviews. Um, maybe someone does
0: (laughs) (laughs) so one thing i want to talk to you guys about is like what do you what do you think the the positive and negative implications of this uh, lawsuit are for both developers and um, like reviewers and and tastemakers and people who just talk about video games
1: on the internet does anyone have any positive
0: ones well i think it's a positive implication that it went um, nowhere. Judges aren't yeah. oh that part of it. Yeah, going yeah. to you know I allow see. people to get away with suing uh, reviewers just for negative reviews. But at the same time, it's I can see a very negative thing coming from the fact that uh, I really don't want to see developers thinking that it's okay to punish reviewers by bringing frivolous lawsuits on them, which still incurs massive costs upon the reviewer reviewer because they have to pay for all their legal fees it's a ton of work it takes them away from focusing their energies
1: on their product um it's, it's kind of weird how you can just sue someone
0: yeah and like and
1: just screw them for a while what even what, if you lose
0: what we're looking at here is the possibility of a situation in which Reviewers could be afraid to give negative reviews of games because they're afraid of the costs of potential lawsuits, and I don't want to see that happen. I feel like if that happened
3: to me, per se, I would just not hire any lawyers, go to court, and s- tell the judge he needs to stop being a pussy. Then you would <laughs> probably lose. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> but depends on the judge. You know, on the on the other side of it, though i I do worry a little bit about um developers in the sense of will this have a negative impact on their ability to get recourse for people who are actually giving
1: legitimate slander?
0: yeah well no p- illegitimate slander is
1: Jimquisition included in Metacritic?
0: Oh no no, no. you mean legitimate as in yeah actual, actual slander.
1: slander hey is is Jimquisition on Metacritic
0: um that I don't know. Because, like, there's there's a is. difference
1: between someone just talking like that, but if they're actually part of, like, an aggregate yeah. score I, that's, I like, generally used, then, yeah. I don't know, if you're touting, like, actual falsehoods about it, then yeah. that, that is harmful. But well, I, that's don't, I don't know if that's a lawsuit or really, but it's, that's what it's a problem. Digital
0: homicide claims, but the judge doesn't seem to agree that, the, that Jimquisition is touting falsehoods. Are you looking up?
1: Yeah, I'm really curious to see if this guy's on there. Oh shit! Come on, this website sucks.
0: You oh, hear that, Metacritic? <laughs> <laughs> They're
1: they gonna sue Gage you. Gage
0: says your website sucks. Um, well, Gage is looking that please up. Please post us on Metacritic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please. Um, we <laughs> would really like to be on Metacritic. Uh, we're we're Someday. important too, guys. Um, well, I am. I do all the other reviews. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Jimquisition profile, Metacritic. Um,
3: what kind of what kind of scores does he give in popular games?
1: It seems like I mean he's giving a hundred to Undertale, Bloodborne, Inside Neo, ninety five Rocket League, ninety five. He gave a hundred
0: to Neo, so it doesn't s- seem like he's the kind of person who just gives negative reviews. Yeah, I'm not. To s- it's games. not like, like all of these are just like he might tens. have an abrasive personality. So now it's feeling like he gave Life of Black Tiger ones? a ten. <laughs> yeah, apparently that's okay, one of the worst games go. that's ever come. out. Here's a
1: score distribution on Metacritic. Um positive reviews, one eighteen, mixed sixty eight, negative thirty five. It's really not that bad.
0: Yeah. So his, his abrasive persona is really just that a persona. It's made it's meant for entertainment.
1: Ooh. It also says on average this publication grade's five point six lower than other critics. That's not even like that bad of a deviation. No, not. So I think maybe if it was like on average this publication grade's like thirty points lower and you know, he's starting falsehoods yeah. and ruining the meta score. Maybe you should do something about that, but it seems like he's a reasonable critic here, honestly, as yeah. far as the scores he actually gives out on here.
0: So I would say that the judge was completely right to throw this out, um, but do you guys share my concerns about the possibility of future frivolous lawsuits or the possibility of developers being unable to protect themselves from real libel?
1: I'm not sure yet. I think there has to be like more of this kind of thing yeah. for me to really I think
3: if it's it had to be going. like very clear cut cases of yeah this guy's like taking every game that we produce and giving it a two so specifically you, us. you really need to see yeah. an example
0: <laughs> of a respected game reviewer actually being convicted of libel to have something yeah. to compare against.
3: Yeah. We need someone that would actually be doing wrong. Of just like, hey Blizzard, I hate you. I'm just gonna score all your games like really shitty, and give all your competitors really high, regardless of how they are.
1: I mean, I'm in a critic you always have, you know. Like I'm looking at Horizon Zero Dawn to score 88, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, you always have that one critic. It's, it's like 50. Like, this is this is terrible. Yeah, I mean, you always have that. Well, so. I, I remember. Um, but you know, if that person was like, every time an Ubisoft came out, they're like 20, 20, 20, 20. I remember they probably uh, just re- removed Skyward from sword.
0: Really it wouldn't even matter if they don't have that much of an audience. Um, Like a lot of these, those websites on Metacritic that are contrarian um, are just kind of like smaller outlets that don't have a lot of people that follow them. They're just very niche. Um, If it were something larger, I think you would actually have some better grounds for a libel lawsuit.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, if IGN was, like, if they gave a game a 10, and I guess they're on a 10-point scale, so if they gave a game a 1, and their critiques were, like, actually just objectively not true, there would be a problem. If they're the
3: only ones that gave a 1, and, like, every other major site is giving, like, 8s and 9s. I
1: guess that's the question, is, like, what do you do about that? Like, should there be lawsuits against things like that? Like, should they just be removed from Metacritic? I'm not sure.
0: Well, I would say that Outlets that review games have a journalistic duty to give a fair shake to anything that they review.
1: You don't really get on Metacritic anyway unless you have like a reputation built up. Yes, yeah, that's why somewhat I, legitimate. I would say
0: that the possibility of this showing up again seems a little rare, um, at least in the sense of it showing up in a real instance of
1: libel. Like, yeah, I mean, I've I could definitely
0: see, um, Frivolous lawsuits cropping up again from smaller developers who just can't take criticism.
1: Yeah, it might set a precedent for like the indie groups to, f- you know, flail out because their little passion project didn't do well. But man, I, I th- it's just so ridiculous. Like the whole premise of this, especially like when you throw in the hundred individual Steam users yeah, into it's that, it's just
0: the whole r- thing seems like a very immature response yeah. to your game My failing. Yeah, it's digital homicide, and anyone who would consider doing this kind of thing can kick and scream all they want. But uh, at least we know that there's a judge out there who's not going to let it stand. That's good. But before we move on to our next segment, I'd like to take you all on a side quest. SideQuest is the part of the show where we cover topics that are either tangentially related to games or are parts of gaming that we don't normally get a chance to talk about. This week on SideQuest, Cards Against Humanity now has an unexpected crossover with the popular video game franchise Mass Effect. The Mass Effect theme pack will contain fourteen cards and has a very limited run. No, fourteen. No new cards or no new packs will be printed after the initial batch has been sold. Cards Against Humanity's Tim Garitano Gerrit- told Polygon that the collaboration began a couple years back at San Diego Comic Con, and only 14 of 700 cards drafted for the pack made the cut. Are three of those cards the same and just in different colors? <laughs> There's probably something about. <laughs> <laughs> I got a choice with three different colors.
1: Picture here of a couple of them. There's one of the white cards. If you're not familiar with the game, a black card has like a blank space with some phrase, and you you submit your white card to f- to fill out the phrase to be funny. Um, so they have a black card here that says "Coming this spring from Bioware, Mass Effect blank," and then the white card is "falling in love, falling in actual love with the video game character." <laughs> so I can see how these cards could be funny like mixed into the general game you know yeah Yeah. like maybe by themselves it's probably not gonna be that cool but i think it'd be really fun to just it's a booster pack you're drawing your cards and you get like a mass effect one i think that'd be pretty funny
0: yeah yeah um regarding the process garrett garretano said whenever we'd look at the list of cards their team preferred it was only cards about fucking (laughs) 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 we had to push through a few non-sex cards just to widen the appeal of the deck it was an incredible problem to have, and I am still absolutely tickled by this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> cards against humanity turned down their cards. It's too much about fucking. Mm. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, I've actually. This isn't the first time I've heard this about Bioware's team. Is that they're a little bit preoccupied with the like romantic and sexual elements of their game
1: wasn't there a quote from the director about the new one that was like there's gonna be lots of love making to paraphrase <laughs> like he yeah, specifically yeah. brought and that up
0: i think there was another quote from a senior developer to paraphrase where he he talked about how weird it was to go into a meeting with the marketing team and explain to him them the importance of banging
1: it sells i guess
0: yeah i guess so i mean mass effect and dragon age fans are Really into the romantic pairings.
1: Like, that's a big reason my wife likes those games, is because you're able to develop like a close relationship with the character and see like a, a romance build. Like to to her, that's really cool. And I, I think to a lot of people that are more like movie show people, that's really interesting.
0: I think there's a lot of growing to do in how those romances are written and how they they play out. Yeah, there's um, always
1: the like, "Oops, you accidentally chose the like bro option." In the conversation, <laughs> you know, someone's like, hey, I'm having a really hard time. You can, like, lean in for Kiss or, like, s- emotionally support them. And, like, the support one just makes them like, thanks, bro. And then you just don't get a chance with them again. <laughs> so, yeah, if they can make that a little more nuanced, that'd be nice.
0: It, it needs a little more nuance. Um,
1: Although, i got to say, I liked in 2 where you have a chance where you can just say to Jack, like, let's just do it. And if you do that, uh, it actually stops the relationship. She's like, ew, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well... She does actually she have asks sex with you, but then you become just like a one night stand.
1: Oh, I thought she like just turns you down. No,
0: um. no, she actually does. If she likes you, if like you were on a positive relationship. So she with her. turned you down, but she didn't turn Preston hey. down. <laughs> oh, <laughs> dang it!
1: Yeah. Work um, on that.
0: But yeah, like there's there's a lot of growing and, and nuance to be added to these situations, especially because like. It's mostly just teaching people, like, hey, if you just say the right thing, people will have sex with you. And but, like, really every Japanese a sim
3: dating game has taught me.
1: Every friend-zoned <laughs> neckbeard cried in agony <laughs> when they tried it in real life, and it didn't work just because they were nice. I mm-hmm.
0: picked the paragon option. <laughs> Why did I get friend-zoned? Oh, God.
1: I, I think it's it's kind of amusing that there is in some realms an entitlement of like I treat a girl nice therefore I should get it
4: <laughs>
0: yeah we need so
1: I don't know if that's a fair trade we trait. need like more complex
0: romances in video games um,
1: you gotta do the like swagger hard stare you know and you gotta disrespect oh them and yeah, dude. treat
0: the girl so poorly gotta to be a get bad boy
4: yeah,
1: dude. yeah leather jacket
4: <laughs> greased hair don't in order
1: the to romance the this
4: character
0: also. you need to wear a leather jacket and drink a lot
1: the game should just ask you to like stand in front of like a, like the Kinect or something, so it can look at you. You need just to have be like, <laughs> nah, <No." laughs> this, this chick would not do you. Oh my god! No way. Oh, just have that character man. with the five
3: o'clock shadow be
0: mopey <laughs> in the corner. Uh, or just,
1: just like hold a picture of George Clooney in front of it or something.
0: Make it so it characters nah. react to what your character looks like from Character Creator. I so mean, honestly, if you honestly make an ugly character, everyone just treats you like you're really ugly we're gonna begin. get this
1: experience anyway with social vr porn in like five years oh god
3: that's only if people are honest on their profiles
0: no one's gonna be honest on their <laughs> profiles. exactly are everyone's gonna, gonna
3: be beautiful on those things
1: mm-hmm. i'm that's pretty sure there's not that's honest gonna be porn the profiles. point
0: mm, that's yeah that's what i'm saying
1: not that i've seen porn
3: <laughs> not, not porn that profiles. you've seen porn <laughs> <laughs> I, i've never
1: seen a porn <laughs> in, uh, in my yeah. life. i'm pure
0: it's on the internet <laughs> the if Trump weren't in office, I would call that the biggest lie of
2: 2017. Oh, Ooh. Got him. Fake news. Ayy.
4: Fake news. Um, please, please. But on
2: getting on back to our na- main quest,
0: <laughs> because place. we want to avoid getting into politics, it's time to show you the other side of gaming with Behind the Screens, where we take a look at a topic from the game developer's point of view.
1: All right. So what I wanted to discuss this week was starting a new game project from scratch with a small indie team, because that's what we're doing right now.
4: Yay! That's
1: what we did. So that's I we're think doing. That we're doing. There's uh, a misconception I- in general about how games with stories are made, because you know our first game was "I Hate My Job." You throw groceries at customers in the stores. You know it's really quirky. There's jokes and stuff, um, but you know it, it was pretty much a gameplay experience with some humor. But what we're going for this time is a horror experience that is psychological in nature and has a plot and twists and stuff like that. So we were no exception to how we thought games like these are made. Um, Boy, were so we, wrong. we all sat down and we came up with a really cool plot that we liked. We spent some time on it. Um, and I phoned up our game advisor, Mark Marte. I've mentioned it before. He's a AAA developer in San Francisco. He's so worked at EA, Ubisoft, Zynga. He, he's a absolute top tier game engineer. So I was expecting when I called him that we would like to discuss the plot and some, you know, get some advice on approach. Um, but he just immediately shot it down. Not because the idea was bad, because he said that's not how you start games like this. I was like, what do you mean? And you know, long story short, he explained that when you start a game with the story and you lock yourself into that before you're even making prototypes, then everything you're making in the core experience is anchored to ideas that you haven't even fleshed out yet or anchored to ideas that you don't even know work yet. So it was a nice wake up call. And then uh, I I was curious about professionals perspectives on that. So I, I looked at some videos of some of the top uh, industry professionals who work on big story games, AAA stuff. I looked at some indie developers talking about making games. Uh, you know, opinions from gamers on games and story games. (coughs) So I think the misconception for people who don't make them is that, you know, you've seen movies and shows and you know, with stuff like that, you have to start with some kind of story. It's like, how do you even shoot scenes if you don't have dialogue or stuff going on, but the mediums are different. And that's something Mark explained to me really well. Um, You don't start with the storyboard in video games. You need to make a game, you need to prototype ideas and experiences Um, sure, you can go into it with a plot idea, but um, what you need to be doing is adapting that plot idea to your gameplay experiences that you're building. He said, and he's told me that personally, the most successful games he's seen have had that approach. Um, And even a lot of professionals I saw, I, I saw Hideo Kojima, for instance, talking about developing a story. And he said, you know, you start with the concept and everything and you go in, but as you're, Uh, building scenes and moments and experiences, you have to adapt. You have to adapt that plot. This is not the same as movies. Um, Yeah, If your core game experience isn't there, then what you're going to have is even if you have a really interesting story, you're going to have a really hollow game experience. And I'm sure any listeners could probably think of a game where the story was really interesting but the game itself was not. So with the bigger studios, they still do have to have... S- they go into it with a certain amount of story, especially when they're getting into the phase where they're doing motion capture and voice recording. Um, obviously, it'd be really hard to keep changing that over and over and over again. You know, just like film, when you do your shooting with your acting, y- you got to have a pretty good idea what you're doing. You can change on the fly, but you don't want to have to do 15 reshoots. Um, so you you do kind of bottleneck your way... In with, in a sense, when you're a big studio who's making a big game that has, uh, like I said, motion capture, voice acting, and all that, um, you do have to know what you're doing. But that's the thing; these are people that know what they're doing. These are the top of the industry. They have giant budgets. They have Hollywood writing teams. You know, you have someone at the helm who's done several big published titles. They know how to make the machine work. So uh, the the advice that Mark gave me was that if, if you're a small studio in indie that doesn't have this kind of experience, you can't go in with a storyboard and and lock yourself into that. You have to release yourself from whatever story you have as much as possible while you're building the initial prototypes and experiences. Um, and you'll find your plot. And I think uh, that's, I think, the difference between what's needed in a way to approach the development cycle of a story game versus what gamers think happens and you know we fell into that trap we thought that's how you do it and fortunately we had an industry veteran to tell us like ease up back up detach yourself from that what he told me was why don't you just make something first where you're just walking around and it feels tense and i I even then i couldn't help myself you know i was like okay so like with this kind of like thing going on he's like no, no 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 just a room and you're walking around and it feels scary uh, it that kind of like broke my brain for a second. <laughs> I was like, what does that even mean? Simplicity? What's that? So, but then as we were talking, I was like, this makes a lot of sense is if you can deliver attention in your core experience, you know for a horror game, you know yeah um you 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 would be able to layer on content and mechanics and ultimately plot in a really satisfying way that can come together really well. It can also let you uh, build dread, build a drum roll to big moments. Um, s- effectively, without having to constantly barrage the player with physical scares, because that's all you have going for you. You know, like you're being chased by this monster for five hours. Ah.
0: So that's a really important skill to build when you're making a horror game: is to scare people without actually doing anything.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if you want to extend, I- if you want a horror game with a story, you know, you're gonna have to have moments where it's not at cranked up to 11. You know, tension and release is a really important concept and. Most mediums, with books, with movies, with even with music, with games, you build up to your big moments. You kind of ease up a little bit, and y- you kind of do that ebb and flow. Um, so if you don't have any inherent tension in a horror experience, um, you either have to just shove it down their throat the entire th- time, which at the beginning is scary, sure, but then it becomes like a chore. Um, PT. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I th- and I think a lot of successful horror movies have that too. Like I think the best horror movies are the ones that have a build-up. They don't just toss everything at you in the first 30 minutes. Like you have this hour of like anticipation and fear of the unknown and then it finally (coughs) gives it to you and it's terrifying. So um, it it was really like a humbling and eye-opening experience to talk to him about this and realize that we were approaching this completely backwards. And he assures us, you know, we'll find our plot. Even if we we know we have this plot that we like and and we're going to keep it in mind. Uh, And if it works, we can use elements of it Maybe we can end up making that plot, but first we need to make sure what we're building is in the experience at the fundamentals. Um, I did build a demo um, where you are just in a room walking around with a flashlight, and I had some people play that, and the response has been very positive. I, it seems that the the goal of delivering tension just in the core movement worked, and I think it worked because that's what I was trying to do. Like I didn't set out to say I'm going to make this scene from this plot said i just want to make scary walking and that was it and every time i found myself thinking about what if i did this thinking about some later story i just said no 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 no, scary walking
0: what would you say are some of the pitfalls of starting with story without a proper foundation
1: well he has told me that he's been on large projects where c- a creative director is appointed and maybe it's their first go as a creative director Um and they walk in with, like, a storyboard and concept art. And they, they've already spent all this money getting all this stuff prepped. Um, and then they finally are sitting down with the engineers. You know, usually Mark is the head of that team, the people who are making the damn thing. Um, and it just doesn't make sense. Like, they haven't even talked about the gameplay or how the level design is going to work or anything like that. The actual experience of the player. It's not a movie. It's a game. You can have games with great stories, but it's a game. Um... He says in all cases where this has happened, uh, the game did poorly or the development cycle just got slashed. Like the the game just got canceled because suddenly every every single moment of everyone's work, the engineers, the designers, artists, they're all trying to like take what is essentially a movie, a storyboard, and like translate that into a game. And right now, maybe you're realizing why this is bad. Like think about how many movies have been translated into games well or how many games have been translated into movies well they're different so I I mean that's that there lies the core of that mistake starting with story uh, starting with a fully fleshed out story and saying this is the exact thing we're trying to make right now you're starting with the movie and saying let's make a game so like just right there that that's why it's wrong I mean it's like if you started a movie and said here's how we're gonna do the action sequences but you had no plot you, you've you started with a game and now you're trying to make a movie. Um, the mediums are fundamentally different and there is a lot of crossover and it's really exciting how c- this crossover has been successful recently in some big games. Um, but I think it's important for any aspiring indies to realize um, you're an indie, right? You're not going to have the big beautiful motion capture and photorealism and voice acting that the AAAs have. So if you're trying to deliver... If the pr- purpose of what you're delivering is like a Hollywood experience, compared to the actual top dogs that are doing it, you're not going to be able to pull that off. Um, but what you can do as an indie is is craft a unique experience, and then you can craft a unique story on top of that that really makes people enjoy what they did. And I think you know games like Undertale and Inside are really cool examples of not trying to compete with the cinematic Hollywood stories of triple A's. Instead, trying to make a refreshing experience for gamers that's satisfying both in play and in story. And it's just different. So yeah, so that, that's pretty much it. Those are those are the new thoughts. Um, it's actually really exciting now moving forward on the project with this in mind, because I, I can feel as I'm working on it that it, it's becoming something interesting. Um, and uh, hopefully, we'll have something public for you guys pretty soon. Um, But, yeah, I mean, if there's a little reality adjustment for you guys on how you start making a game with the story.
3: Stop all writing now and actually work on the game. Well, uh, you know (laughs) what?
1: Yeah, I mean, as a a little tangent, there's nothing stopping you from trying plots out. Yeah. But don't lock yourself into one specific plot.
3: The way I see it, because I've come up with various stories now and then and then try to think of how the games would work. What I usually run into is I have, like, a particular scene in mind that I think will be really cool, but it would have to be a cut scene. It, if I think about how would the player actually play through this, chances are the player is not going to play through it the way that I want them to in that's, order to get this going.
1: That's been an interesting challenge, too, and I, I am building um, the first demo right now that's actually, like, a piece of content. Yeah. That's an, It's kind of it's an independent experience. It's not related to the plot we've talked about at all. It's just I, I want to try something out. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to see... I can scare people a certain way with something really <laughs> simple boo! and it was difficult like you said to to come up with it because you know we're just in this mindset of like okay start with this like cool scene yeah. in your head it's like but how do you play that
3: yeah well I, I don't know how many times I've seen like a person it's kind of like watching a person playing a game that you've already played before and you know what to do and you're just like why are you going over there because like, I want to go over there but that but why are you going over there that's not where you're <laughs> supposed to go what are you doing
4: yeah,
0: yeah, I, I know that feeling, and <laughs> this is this is one of the the big questions about modern game development is how do you get the player to see what you want them to see without removing their agency? Um, you know, making sure that they still have freedom to do whatever they want, but also making sure that they get the experience that you intend for them. So I think that's definitely in just an interesting side kind of situation. I mean,
1: that's a real challenge to uh, have gameplay drive someone through a cinematic experience.
0: I will say, also, in, a, in just as a last little addition, uh, it seemed to me, from just from my perspective, that we made more progress just having you like make a room where you walk around than we made in our. Multi hour b- brainstorming sessions I about mean, plot. Yeah, I mean,
1: we spent what like a it week it just talking like about what the plot we wanted back
0: to and be. It felt more yeah. like real progress.
1: I mean, I had that, r- I have a full time job, so you know, I'm making this outside of that. And I had that walking up like two days after I talked to Mark, and that was last weekend. And like, yeah. I'm, I'm probably gonna have a demo with some content out this weekend, so yeah, we're moving faster and building something interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, In the meantime, there's nothing stopping us from talking about plot ideas but yeah, of you course. Know, as far as building down. experiences, we need to build something that is interesting at its core. So
0: if you're an aspiring game developer, um, I think we would all agree that uh, what you really need to focus on is crafting experiences and learning how to evoke the emotions you want your players to have through playing the game, not just through the story. And the story can, the story will come, and the story will be what you want it to be, but. It's more, you're more likely to have gameplay that feels less contrived if you start with it that way. Yep. But now it's time to take a look at the comments section, a segment where we select one question from our audience that demands an answer. This week's question comes from Caitlin Crowley. What, other than this generation, was your favorite gaming console? Essen?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little uh put on the spot here.
0: What's <laughs> the podcast?
2: My favorite gaming console?
0: Your favorite gaming console other than this generation. Um, like what what gaming console of y- of yonder past?
2: Probably like the the NES or the Sega Genesis. Genesis was sweet. Those are pretty sweet. I mean because th- I don't really have many gaming consoles. Do you have out. any
0: any particular any particular reason why you like the Sega Genesis so much?
2: Oh, Sonic. That's. I mean, really, oh I don't yeah. really care about the systems. Like, I liked Sonic, and I liked Super Mario Bros. three. I liked Kirby,
1: and that's so no yeah. Xbox the e Halo two related. Related. Look? I mean, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I could have said that, but I mean, it was pretty know. much just the one game, right? It's just it really just is the one game. I yeah yeah. That's pretty much it.
1: Y- I think. That's a good segue into what I was about to say, which is uh, I mentioned that I play PC, and that's just because I like having a universal platform. Any game that I can get in there, it's in my Steam library. I can get it from any computer. So I don't really play consoles for consoles. I get consoles because of the games available on those consoles. Like The only reason I got a PS4 uh, was to play Last of Us Remastered and Uncharted, and and they keep keep bringing out exclusives that are awesome. So I feel good about getting that. But I have to say my favorite console ever is the GameCube uh, because yeah. of the games that are on yeah, it. Yeah, that one, too. Oh, man. Like Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, Resident Evil 4, Super Monkey Ball, FCOGX, Mario Sunshine, Jedi Game Outcast.
0: GameCube oh. was definitely one of the highlights. Um, maybe even the best, the best system of that generation.
1: Yeah, if you're just wanting a really diverse and entertaining game library, I, I feel like I've never had an easier time building that with the g- than with the GameCube.
0: I think it's a really a really close race in in that generation between PS2 and GameCube, but I could definitely see arguments for in GameCube's favor.
1: Well, I think probably. it's as simple as like are you an RPG guy or gal? Like PS2 was probably your system. Um, but if you were more in the like platforming action side, I'd say GameCube had the better selection, and I, you know, I, I was more of a Nintendo guy. If you liked I online, know, like you
2: know, if you the like
1: the multiplayer argument on the PS2, yeah. the, the Xbox the for multiplayer.
3: PS Two side of that in terms of the platforming, PS Two had uh, the start of Jack and Daxter and Ratchet and Clank series. Yeah,
1: but Mario. Yeah, mm. but Mario. Mm. I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: mm. and also <laughs> Jack and Death, Daxter and Ratchet and Clank. But, but GameCube aren't that good.
1: GameCube was we Mario Sunshine. C- we gotta remember Gex though on p- PS One. Oh man. The ultimate. Uh, Speaking of that was PS One, though. That I was still have nightmares about that freaking dark room in Gex Two. <sighs> I don't know. PS
0: One, the most probably the most influential console of my my young life.
1: So is that your pick?
0: Yeah, it's definitely my pick. Um, it May introduced pick. me basically to. Uh, to RPGs, I mean, I I had played. A <laughs> it's the oh blame, God, dude. I played a couple. <laughs> if I could go
2: back in time for one reason, <laughs> take, take that piece. I would played a
0: couple RPGs, just kind of vaguely on on Super NES. So it was
1: like your portal to Japan.
4: <laughs> yeah, it was.
0: It was my eye-opening moment <laughs> oh, about weird. Uh, games. <laughs> you know, games can have real, you know, complex stories on three CDs on 3 CDs. Hey, Beautiful
1: <laughs> Joe had a complex story.
0: Mm-hmm. That's not quite the same. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um got to save Sylvia. But you know, it it really it really spawned my like love of video games that are much more story heavy. Um and that has continued to be my preference throughout you
1: know. I mean, even to now, I mean, around. as a game developer, you're on the writing side, I'm, I'm on the design side, and it you look at the games we preferred growing up and it makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's kinda like the I sh- I wanna tell stories and the stories I want to tell can only be told through video games.
1: And yeah. I wanna make something that's fucking cool to play. You
2: know, if I can go back I think my favorite system, I mean it, the this generation, is it you can't be this generation? It can't be this generation. It can't Dude, be this Wii generation. U is like the best system. Wii U have some of the best multiplayer games. Like it has literally people. and the little controller screen thing is fucking awesome and um i really loved
1: i really still love my wii u the wii u is the
0: best straight up
1: like i like mario maker uh mario kart smash
0: i kind of skipped the wii u um i wasn't really into it i'd have to to say like i got enough of it just like playing wii u with you guys I have I we like done that here? Out. Have we played Wii U at this office? No, nah, not that I can think no. of. Yeah. No. <laughs> we we haven't played hours upon hours We've of Mario
1: Kart. We definitely not loaded every map in Mario Kart 8 <laughs> and played the whole thing. We have wait, wait, wait. We've not
0: procrastinated one no. bit. Yeah. We have on not the
3: Wii U. played Mario Kart using only the mini map on the controller. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, that was a nightmare. <laughs> oh my god.
1: That wasn't even like f- fun. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> It's two weeks oh, what to didn't launch. We do it on. I mean Some hypothetically, we it on, was hypo- it if we had done that. It, w- it doesn't sound very fun. Uh, yeah. We sure. actually uh, in a uh, hypothetically uh <laughs> three-starred every cup on 200 cc.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, during I
2: remember hours.
0: if if I were to have <laughs> participated work, in that, quote unquote, <laughs> I might have done most of the legwork uh, after uh, everybody else had stopped yeah. and then also, I might have ignored some of my work to do it, <laughs> but no, no, no,
4: no. I no wouldn't no, have dude. done that. You know. this, this was that's all purely a joke. hypothetical, Not fake news.
3: <laughs> we might have trolled people with Charizards on Smash Brothers. <laughs> oh. oh man,
1: Ford B Smash online co-op. Dude, Charizard. Two Charizards, two Charizards oh yeah. Ford B. I. We usually lost, but I can only imagine the rage. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was, that was fantastic. Sometimes we won, and that's when you know there was rage.
0: Oh yeah, John, hit me with. Well, Something obscure.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is not going to be a normal console, Mr. Collector.
3: Uh, now I I'm asking feel you obligated. to choose
0: among
1: your babies.
3: I can't. I like them all. I've got... For those who don't know, I'm a collector. I've got, like, 20 consoles, including handhelds. If
1: going to his house is one of the coolest gaming experiences. <laughs> you just He'll introduce you to, like, 10 games you've never even heard of.
3: Yeah. Well, like... Uh, I kind of want to say that my favorite's for the PS Two, just because if I l- factor in how many games I have, like per console, I have like seventy five games for the PS Two. It's my highest one.
1: I mean that it n- your gaming collection takes up like most of your room.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of favorite though, Xbox One. No. Oh, there it is. There it is. I don't oh. own a single <laughs> Microsoft console. That UI. I had the option of getting a regular oh yeah. Xbox for sixty dollars <laughs> or a PS three for three hundred dollars and I bought a PS three. Oh yeah. So
1: PS <laughs> three was sweet.
3: Yeah, it was. And I got the silver edition PS two also, so boom. There you go. Got it for free from Sony directly.
1: I'm surprised you didn't choose that that handheld. The Lynx? Yeah.
3: I thought about it, but I've only <laughs> got two games for it. Like once you said go obscure, I was I was gonna I
1: instantly thought of Baldur's Gate on that. Game. Wait, what was that RPG? Um, I had Gauntlet. Gauntlet, sorry. Yeah, yeah.
3: I had the original Gauntlet, or have the original Gauntlet. Where you like
1: play it vertically? The Atari Lynx, yeah. You rotate the handheld. You can either plug vertically. the
0: thing in or use six AAA batteries. Oh God, <laughs> the the beginning of handheld gaming were was was a dark time indeed. I, I, no, no. <laughs> like I I feel oh like my. if I had this it, I shit.
3: would pick the Philips CDI just because it used the giant laser disc.
1: Was that what had the uh, the Zelda games that people don't talk about? I believe so. The Wand of Gamelon. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. 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 Man, I can't believe those exist. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I want them. I want them so bad.
1: Those would be great to have. I, are they expensive to get?
3: I don't think so. It would just get take it. finding them on eBay and ordering them.
1: Google.
0: Yeah. Well, y- you, you should get it so we can all give it a try. Yeah, I'll have to at some
3: point.
1: You can play as Zelda. In one of Gamla.
3: And you you, you wow. fight Ganondorf at the end.
1: Think about the worst cartoon you have ever seen visually. Like <laughs> <laughs> the art style. Link. Somehow this is worse.
3: Legend of Zelda cartoon.
1: No, I'm so, like the graphics in no, those CDI games. What I'm saying. It, like I I might be able to do better.
0: <laughs> That's <Yeah>. saying something. <laughs> Freeform draw it. And that's all for this week's episode of the Devious Gamers Show. Thank you all for listening. Once again, I'm Preston Lee, and you can follow me at Senatoriously.
1: Gage Randall at Definitely Gage.
2: John Bowie at John Bowie DG. Essen at Essen is okay. I got like 50 followers now. Oh, thanks! Oh, they all say is is nice. that on Instagram or are you yeah, on Twitter now? On Instagram. Now? So are there Instagram. fashion
1: companies already contacting you? Dude.
2: I actually have some fashion companies following me. Nice. But they do that to everyone. It doesn't matter. (laughs) No, I mean (laughs) like
1: they want you to wear like Gucci or something Um, one of your pictures. Probably not.
0: If you like the show, you can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or liking the episode on SoundCloud. You can follow everything else DG-related at Devious Gamers on Twitter and on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash deviousgamersofficial or find our news and reviews on deviousgamers.com. If you have a question for the comment section or just want to get in touch with us, you can send an email to podcast at Gamers or get in, t- get in touch with at Devious Podcast on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you right here next week.